0: Well, good morning, church. Ohayou gozaimasu. My name is Josh Hagan and my wife Anna and sister Sarah flew into Iwaka, or Fukuoka yesterday from uh, Okinawa, Japan, the little island uh, you can barely see on the map. <laughs> we're from there. We uh, rode the Shinkansen for the first time ever yesterday. It's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, thanks for having us here. We are excited to be here, and we're honored. Uh, to be up here, and I'm honored to be up here and uh, throw the pulpit for Glenson. So, thank you for having us here. It's cold here. It is <laughs> I'm not used to the cold. We are from a tropical island where I was in short sleeves last week. <laughs> so, it's I mean it's a nice change of pace. I I enjoy the cold. I don't know if I can live in the cold, but I do like it. So, um, I always joke around with my wife that uh, in Okinawa we don't really have a season where we need to wear jackets, really. We just kind of get to wear jackets during December, January time. We can wear it without sweating, <laughs> you know. But here, we need it, so I'm like, oh, I, I like this. I can actually wear jackets. and uh, so, so yeah, I like that about this place. Before, um, just a little bit about myself before I get into the message. Um, again, my name is Josh. I have the honor, and I've had the honor of teaching the youth group back at uh, Calvary Okinawa for the past five years, and it's been a joy uh, and an honor to just watch the youth grow, uh, both physically but also in the Word of God, and it's just been uh, my pleasure to teach them and, and watch them grow. So that's what I get to do. I love it, and um, I'm just blessed to be able to do that. Uh, my wife, um, Anna, she used to work at the church with uh, me, but she used to do all the graphics and all the admin things, but she uh, started her own photography business, so that's what she does right now. She's a photographer. She's um, and so that's what she's doing. My sister Sarah, she's in ninth grade, uh in high school, and she helps out with worship, both in the youth group and upstairs, uh in the sanctuary as well. So that's what she does, and we're very proud of her as well. I've known Glenn, Pastor Glenn for a very long time. Uh as a youth kid, running around our parking lot uh back in Okinawa, I would play basketball all the time, throw the football frisbee around and uh just play it outside with my friends. Uh, my wife can tell you this, you can ask her later, but I was a very uh, sweaty boy, <laughs> very sweaty. Like, I would go outside and come back in, and I'm just like drenched in sweat, and it was pretty gross. I didn't think so back then, but people thought so. And and back then, man, I, young Josh, right, I was sure that Pastor Glenn didn't like me. I was sure that he was out to get me, uh, and sure enough, one day, I came inside from outside uh, playing and Pastor Glenn stops me. I was so scared. and He said, "Hey, bro, you stink." <laughs> and I can't remember if he gave me one then or not, but that's the day that I started using deodorant. Uh, and I had made sure that when I was around Pastor Glenn, uh, that I did not stink. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but that's you know, I still have that memory vividly in my brain when I think about Pastor Glenn. Uh, but but with all seriousness, we love Pastor Glenn. He is. Uh, An an awesome, awesome teacher of the word. Loves God so much and loves his people uh, very well. And so I'm honored again to be here. Uh, When Pastor Glenn asked me, I was uh, very blessed to have been asked. So thank you for having me here. Four years ago, I can't believe it's that. It's been that long already. But four years ago, I woke up one morning uh, with with a little pain in my neck. I thought I slept wrong. Uh, you know that feeling when you sleep wrong and you're driving and you just like have to turn your whole body to look at your blind spot? That's what I felt like. I was just, something was up with my neck. Um, and throughout that whole work day, I was just getting worse and my neck was getting worse. I put icy hot or, you know, sarampasas, things like that. It didn't help. Um, and that night, we had a worship night uh, and we were leading worship, um, but it was getting so bad. I couldn't play guitar, so I was like, Andy have to play guitar for me, and she played guitar for me. But I couldn't raise my arm anymore. I was like, this hurts. Um, and the next day, I had to call Pastor Rick. I was like, hey, I can't come into work today. Uh, I'm starting to get, feel feverish. I'm getting worse. He's like, okay, stay home. Uh, long story short, um, I was admitted into the hospital. Um, they found out that I had a, a blood infection with this thing called the flesh-eating bacteria, uh, something you don't hear every day. It's crazy. I was, I was literally being eaten alive. <laughs> um, and I, I was in the hospital for 40 days. Seven IVs a day. Um, it was rough. It was a rough season of my life. Um, and, and, and out of nowhere, this mass appeared in my neck. I think that's what's causing the pain in my neck. But uh, this mass is where all the bacteria was <coughs> stationed. They're they all there. Uh, and they were trying to figure out how to get it out of me. They couldn't do it. Uh, they were hesitant to cut it into my neck because they were worried they were going to paralyze me. And Just all that craziness going on. Um, after 40 days, uh, they finally had surgery. Sent me home with tubes coming out of my neck so they can clean and everything. It was it was wild, um, but it was a for, it was forty days of just trial. It was it was difficult for me uh, that season. You know, it was difficult, but I learned some very, some good lessons that I uh, am glad that I was able to learn. You know, um, so many people, so many people from church came. So many people from church. Uh, brought me gifts and things that I wanted, coffee, food, right? Um, and and really, through that whole experience of just pain and suffering, uh, I, I was really able to experience uh, God's love, right? Through His people mainly. His people coming to see me, taking their time out of their day to drive all the way to my hospital and just hanging out with me, giving me stuff that I wanted, right? Just I, I experienced God's Love through his people during that time, and it was a reminder, a great reminder that I I need to love his people better, that I need to love God's people more. Right? Do I want to go through that experience again? No, <laughs> that's a hard pass. Right? I don't I don't want to go through that experience again. But am I glad that I went through that? Yes. Right? I was able to learn some some valuable lessons through that experience. Even now, I'm standing here with the ginormous boot on my leg. I ruptured my Achilles a couple months ago playing a very competitive sport uh, or <laughs> volleyball. Um, now I'm thinking, like, I shouldn't have gone for that ball, right? I, I took off for that ball, and I ruptured my Achilles. So, uh, but, I, but I'm learning some valuable lessons now, too, that I have to depend on people, right? Like, I have a hard time depending on people at times. So I just feel bad. I, I feel bad for asking for things. Um, but God's teaching me, hey, it's okay. It's okay to lean on people and to ask for help. Right, especially when you're not able to do things. So I'm learning these things um through my difficult experiences that I have. You know, you know that Jesus promises us that difficult times are going to come? <laughs> he promises us the trials will find its way to us. Right? I don't know where we get this idea from that the Christian life is fluffy and, and a bed of roses and just no um difficult things happening in your life, right? It's, it, that's not true. Being a Christian is difficult. Being a Christian means that trials will come, right? Jesus promises us that, right? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 16, and he says, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. That's not very peaceful, or comforting, but he continues, he says, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world, what a powerful verse that is, the word tribulation there is the word philipsis, and it literally means pressure, right, oppression, affliction, or or hard times, Jesus says hard times, times with pressure are going to come your way, that we can be of good cheer, right, we can, we can, have comfort comfort knowing that Jesus, right, our God, overcame this world. He is more powerful than, than anything we go through, than any flesh-eating bacteria, than any ruptured Achilles, any cancer, COVID. God is above it all. And we can find comfort in that. Difficult times are going to come your way. And when it does, when it finds its way to you, how do you react? I want you guys to ask yourself this right now. How do you react to trials? What's your attitude like? Ah, God, why? Do, do you scream at God? Do you get angry at God? Do you curse God? Do you get stressed out? Or or are you going to react the way that we should, which is the, which is what we're going to be looking at today? So if you have your Bibles with you, please open up to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. I went way over first service, so (laughs) I did not know the time, so I will do better this service. Be respectful of your time. James chapter 1, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 8 today, if we get to it. Um, If you're there, I'd like to ask for you guys to stand with me in honor of God's word as we read it. James, he says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. Verse 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let me pray one more time. God, we, we invite your Holy Spirit here right now that you will teach us, that you will speak to us, Lord. God, I pray that you will just Stir in our hearts what it is that you want to teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys may have a seat. I entitled my message today, Faith in the Midst of Trials. The author of this book is James. I remember we read in Acts chapter 8, uh, excuse me, 15. Uh, there was discussion with the Jews about circumcision, right? You have to be circumcised to be saved, and James was one of the men who had the word of wisdom from the Lord. Who had something to say about it, We're saying, "Hey, don't put on them more than they have to bear. Let them just enjoy Jesus, right? Enjoy their Jesus." And the people agreed. James is a man of wisdom. James also is the half brother of Jesus, right? Um, she the same mom, Mary. James had a nickname, Camel Knees. What a nickname that is. Right, This is because uh, he had calloused knees from spending so much time, so many hours on his knees right, praying and, and talking to the Lord. And what a qualification uh, of a leader. right? That's something that a leader should have, a quality of prayer, praying day and night, hours upon hours of just spending time with the Lord. That's what James did. Church history tells us that James was killed in 62 AD. The early believers, they worshipped at the temple. Um, and the Pharisees, as they often were, uh, they were mad, right? The Jews saying, don't worship Jesus. He is not God, right? Uh, They're just upset. So in comes James, and the Pharisees are like, hey, James, come over here. Tell the Jews that your brother Jesus is not God. Tell the Jews that not to worship your brother and James like, all right, I'll go up to the temple. So he goes up to the highest point of the temple. To the surprise uh, of the Pharisees, he starts preaching, Jesus is Lord. Follow Jesus and worship Jesus alone, right? The Pharisees were shocked, and to stop him, they push him off the temple. Uh, he falls flat on his face, but that doesn't kill him. Uh, it's the Pharisees who then stone him uh, to death, and he went to be with the Lord. What a man of faith, an incredible man of faith that we get to learn from today that we get to read his letter. The theme of this book, if you've studied this book before, you might know uh, the overarching theme is how does faith act, right? It's talking about faith the whole time. When I study for, uh, when I'm teaching, I I use the open Bible. Um, It has really good uh, insights and things like that, Um, and it has a really good intro for this book, so I want to read it to you guys real quick Um, Again, this is not the Bible, it's just the intro that's in my study Bible. Uh, I'll I'll read a part of it to you guys. It says, Faith endures trials. Trials come and go, but a strong faith will face them head-on and develop endurance. Faith understands temptations. It will not allow us to consent to our lust and slide into sin. Faith obeys the word. It will not merely hear and not do. Faith produces doers. Faith harbors no prejudice. For James, faith and favoritism cannot coexist. Faith displays itself in works. Faith is more than mere words. It is more than knowledge. It is demonstrated by obedience. And it overtly responds to the promises of God. Faith controls the tongue. This small but immensely powerful part of the body must be held in check. Faith can do it. Faith acts wisely. It gives us the ability to choose wisdom that is heavenly and to shun wisdom that is earthly. Faith produces separation from the world and submission to God. It provides us with the ability to resist the devil and humbly draw near to God. Finally, faith awaits patiently for the coming of the Lord. Through trouble and trial, it stifles complaining. I love that. When I read that, I was like, oh man, this is so good. I want to share it with you guys just gives us a good foundation of studying uh, this letter. So let's dive right in. Uh, Verse 2. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Remember, I asked you this question, how do you react when you fall into trials? Do you get upset? Are you stressed out? Do you get mad James tells us something very interesting. He tells us to count it all joy. How is that possible? How how can I find joy in the midst of a trial? You guys know the account where Peter and the apostles were imprisoned for preaching the gospel. And the angel comes in. He says, he sets them free, right? And the the apostles go back out to preach again. um, And then... Uh, the the religious leaders are uh, very upset, right? The Bible tells us that they were filled with indignation. That's so much anger, right, that they wanted to kill them. um, But they decided not to after hearing Gamaliel's advice and then just decides to beat them up. He just gives them a good beating, tells them not to do it again. Um, But we see a very amazing, um, we read about an amazing thing. In Acts chapter 5, verse 41, this is what the apostles and Peter said after being beaten up. Where He said, they were rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Peter and the apostles rejoiced when they were persecuted. That they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Guys, it is an honor for us to suffer shame for Jesus' name. It is an honor for us to live for Jesus and then be persecuted for it, for Jesus, right? It is an honor for us to do that, to live for Jesus and to stand for him, no matter what the consequence. Notice how James doesn't say, be happy when trials come. Kind it of all happy when trials come, right? Obviously, we won't be happy when difficult times come obviously you won't be happy when a family member passes away when you face persecution when you're in pain you're not going to be happy right there's a difference between happiness and joy and until we understand that we won't be able to fully understand this passage right happiness is an emotion that's tied to a to a situation right something good happens and you're happy right you get a gift you're happy somebody compliments you you're happy it's tied to an emotion which is tied to a situation, right? On the contrary, when, when something bad happens or when you, when somebody says something mean to you, you get sad, right? It's, you're not happy anymore. It's tied to uh, an emotion which is tied to a, uh, a situation. God doesn't command us to be happy all the time. He doesn't. He commands us to be joyful all the time. So there's a difference between those two. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all, uh, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, Romans 12, 12. Rejoice always, 1 Thessalonians five sixteen. I mean, you get the point, right? God wants us to rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. He says it over and over. Guys, while happiness is tied to situation, which changes every day, our joy is tied to Jesus, who is constant. Our source of joy never changes. He is steady. And that's why Christians are the most joyful people out there. Because they have the joy of the Lord in them. Again, James tells us to count on all joy when you fall into various trials. Do we count it all joy when we face trials? Do you count a joy when you face difficult times, or do we get angry? That is something that can only happen with the help of the Holy Spirit. Right. We are too weak on our own to count a joy when there's a difficult time. Right. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to do this. To work in us, to to grow us. Notice how James says, when when we fall into various trials. He doesn't say, count it all joy if you fall into trials. That'd be nicer. (laughs) But that's not what's true, right? When we fall. So it's promised. Difficult times, trials will come our way. So now we can be ready. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing. This is important, you guys. We need to know. Know what? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Right? So in order to have joy in the midst of our trials, we need to know. Many people bail out of trials because uh, they don't know. They just don't know. They're in ignorance. They don't know that God put them there to grow. They don't know that God is the one who allowed this to happen to you for some people, pain equals run. Pain equals get out of here. Pain equals no good. But but we, as a church, as God's family, we have the privilege of knowing, right? Knowing that God is sovereign, knowing that God is good. God loves us. God is on our side. He's going to help us. He's going to walk with us. He's going to He's going to train us. He's he's shaping us and growing us in the way that he wants us to grow through our trials. I enjoy working out and lifting weights and, and a lot of you guys probably do too. And I do that and I don't bail, right? When I'm under, under a, you know, weight, I'm not going to run away because it's painful. I, I stay under the weight because I know. I know that it's good to be there. I know that lifting that, I know that it's going to make me stronger better, fitter, and I know that prize that waits for me. It helps me to keep going. If if I didn't know that lifting weights was going to be good for me, then as soon as I'm under that pressure, as soon as I'm under that weight, I'm going to run away because it doesn't feel good, right? I continue because I know the benefits. I continue because I know that it's good for me. I continue because I know that it's there for a reason. So take heart, guys. Be of good cheer. Because, yes, what you're going through right now, you might be going through a trial, and it's difficult, it's painful, and you just want to quit. I understand. But the God that we serve is greater than any of our trials. The God that we serve is greater than any of our problems. And, and you just got to stay there and work. Find comfort in knowing that God is the one who allowed you to go through that. He's going to walk with you and walk out with you <laughs> that trial. The word patience that's used here is the word hupomoni, and it means to remain under, right? When we hear patience, we think about, like, waiting, right? We think about going to the doctor's office and waiting all day or going to the DMV, waiting all day, and if that person doesn't complain, oh man, that person has patience, right? We might uh, equate patience to just waiting, but the word here, hupomoni is much stronger than just waiting. It's not a quality that helps us wait, but uh, it's a quality that helps us run and finish a marathon. Right? To remain under has the picture of someone under a heavy load and choosing to stay there instead of bailing or, or running away. You're in pressure, but you're going to keep going. You're going to endure it and you're going to keep running, keep going forward, keep putting the other foot in front of the other and keep walking and keep <laughs> keep going with the Lord. Right? That's, that's, that's the patience that Paul, uh, excuse me James is talking about here. that's the kind of patience that God is trying to teach you, teach me. When you go through a difficult season, are you trying to run away? Are you looking for the escape route? Are you looking for the the easiest way out? Or are you trying to learn what God is trying to teach you? It's all mindsets, the way you're looking at it. When I think about someone who went through trials, I think about Job. Man who loved God man who devoted his life to serving God. And then Satan says, oh yeah, take this. And he takes away everything. He takes away his kids, his livestock, his wealth, even attacks his health or he gets boils on his skin. But remember, Job never cursed the Lord. He said, he stayed patient. He endured it. Hoopamony. same word, same patience. And he says, the Lord gives and takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord how amazing is that? I mean, I mean, put yourself in his shoes, right? Lose practically everything. You get boils on your skin. Your friends are accusing you of a sin that you're hiding, right? You must have done something wrong in hiding it in order to get this, right? Your wife tells you to curse God and die. I mean, wouldn't you be angry? Wouldn't you wonder and question God, like, why is this happening to me? James says, count it all joy. James says that the testing of your faith produces patience. Notice that faith is tested through trials, not produced by trials. Well, if trial doesn't produce faith, then what does? Paul tells us in Romans ten seventeen, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Romans ten seventeen, right? We get faith by hearing God's word and studying God's word. So as we do that, as we hear God's word, faith is supernaturally built in us and it helps us to understand and trust God's word. You guys, God doesn't send us trials to break us down and to destroy us, to hurt us, to make fun of us. He allows us to go through them so our faith can be tested and so that our patience can grow and we can become better versions of ourselves. Trials don't produce faith, but when trials are received with faith, it then produces patience. If we receive trials without faith, with grumbling and with unbelief, it can lead to bitterness and discouragement and and destruction. And so we need to be careful when trials come our way, to receive it with joy and faith. As weird as that might sound. That's why James is exhorting us, right? Telling us, count it all joy. See that we're counting. It's it's a response of our faith. Because we have faith, we can now count it as joy. We have faith that God has us so we can have joy even in this difficult time. See, James is not saying, hey, enjoy this trial. James is not saying, hey, have fun. <laughs> That's a little bit different, right? He's saying, count it as joy, count it joy. That word count, my right? It's, it's to consider, to make a count, to command, right? So whenever trials come your way, command it and, and count it as joy. This is a good thing. This is going to be good for me. It's going to be beneficial for me. Guys, we have power over how we're going to react and how we're going to think and how we're going to look at trials. We have power over that outlook. Are we going to go at it with joy and trust and faith in God, or are we going to go with our own strength and with anger and just everything else that's not the Lord? It's a choice. Draw attention back to the text, verse 4. But let patience have his perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let patience have his perfect work. It, it takes time for our patience to develop. It's not something that just turns right on. It's not a quick process. It, it's, it's, a, it's a long process, but God is working in us, right? For, our, uh, for my birthday, my wife took me... Um, go do some do some pottery. It was pretty fun. Uh, we sat at the pottery wheel, right, and then we're given this lump of clay that had no significance, right, no beauty, and it. it's just straight dirt, right, um, and we turned that into some cups, um, and it was amazing. That whole experience of transforming that thing, right, that lump of clay into a beautiful to something that's useful and, and, and to good to look at, right? We are, we are the lump of clay. Without the potter, potter's work, we are useless and with no significance, just a lump of clay. And, but as God works on us, right? as God works in us, and he applies pressure and shapes us, it, it might hurt, that process might hurt, but, but it's a process, it's a good process. It's a process called sanctification as he transforms you into more and more, uh, into looking more like Jesus, to acting more like Jesus. As he applies pressure, which in many times comes in the form of a trial, right? As he applies pressure, it smooths us out. It helps us to have more uh, patience. It helps us to be better. As we allow patience to have its perfect work, we are allowing the hands of God to shape us. But if we refuse to let patience have its perfect work, if we scream and kick and jump out of God's hands, we won't have the hands of God sh- shaping us and molding us anymore. You might have escaped God's, uh, you might have escaped the pain that the pressure causes you right the the trials you might have escaped the trials the current pain but but you're missing out on the transforming work of sanctification if you take the escape route and you you run out of the trials that god puts you in you're you're missing out on the sanctification god's trying to transform you into being more like jesus and, and you're missing out on that if you just run away you remain as that lump of clay instead of being turned into something beautiful Guys, God has more in store for us than to just remain as that lump of clay. He wants to transform us into something beautiful, but that, that process hurts. That process is not fun all the time, but it's a necessary process that we need to go through to gain patience, to gain these things that God wants us to have. There's nothing special. Excuse me, there's something special about going through a trial with the Lord by your side. Spurgeon said this, I have looked back to times of trial with a kind of longing, not to have them return, but to feel the strength of God as I felt it then, to feel the power of faith as I felt it then, to hang upon God's powerful arm as I hung upon then, to see God at work as I saw him then right there's something about going through a trial with god right by our side helping us picking us up when we fall walking with us that that amazing relationship that grows as we go through a trial with the lord it deepens our relationship with him it deepens our love for him It deepens our our dependence for him right and and that's something that we experience as we go through trials Now, I don't wake up in the morning and ask for trials. I don't say, God, give us the the worst you got, Lord. (laughs) I don't say that. But we know that it's going to come. We don't have to pray for it. It's going to come because God's going to train us and God's going to mold us every day. Some might be worse than others. Some might be more painful than others. But it's all good for you. And push through it. We need that patience that James talks about to stay under, to remain under, to endure the pain. Quickly running out of time. Oh, let's read verses five through eight, and we'll finish for today. <clears throat> if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the way, the wind. Excuse me. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. These are some harsh. Uh, words. Guys, trials bring a necessary season to seek wisdom from the Lord, right? When we go through trials, we often pray for wisdom. God, I need wisdom to know what to do here. God, I need wisdom. And we we, we realize how much wisdom we lack when we go through trials. I believe in in a trial, we need wisdom more than knowledge, right? Some I've heard said before that knowledge is the ability to take things apart, while wisdom is the ability to put it back together. I love that. <laughs> I can take a lot of things apart. Can I put them back together? Probably not. Right? Wisdom is, uh, excuse me, knowledge is raw information, but wisdom knows how to use that information. And so we need wisdom. But we need to discern between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom. How do you receive Wisdom. How can we gain wisdom? How can we obtain this godly wisdom? Well, James tells us, and it's super easy, we just have to ask. Ask the Lord. Oh, we're so quick to run to books, to people, to different schools, to gain wisdom, but, but we could just ask God for godly wisdom. I think that's important for us to remember. This is past Sunday I was teaching in First Corinthians, and it, it talks about Paul saying, hey, if any, if any of you, I'm going to paraphrase this, if any of you uh, think think that you're wise, then become a fool to understand God's wisdom because God counts the world's wisdom as futile or pointless. 1 Corinthians 3, 18 through 20. Worldly wisdom is pointless. Godly wisdom is what we need to be looking for and searching for. I'm going to quickly go through this. Guys, in order to understand and tell and discern between worldly wisdom and godly wisdom, we need to go to the Word. This is our measuring stick, if you will. This is what measures, this is what helps us understand and to discern whether something is worldly and something is godly. Because wisdom from God, godly wisdom will always, always go with the Word of God. Sometimes you get wisdom from the world and it, it contradicts the Bible then you know that is not from the Lord. And you need to throw that away. Get rid of that thought. Get rid of that wisdom and, and search for God's wisdom. You can only do that if you study God's words. So I want to lovingly encourage you guys, if you are not actively in God's word, we need to be in it. I love that James adds, right, God gives generously, right, um, but he also gives without reproach. I love that. God's not going to be frustrated that we're coming to him over and over and over again. But Josh, you came to me this morning for wisdom. You want more? (laughs) Josh, I helped you yesterday. Come back next week. I'm tired of you. No, that's not our God. Thank you, Jesus, right? He gives without reproach. He loves to give us gifts. He loves to give us things. He loves to help us. There's a story about Joshua, excuse me, not Joshua, Alexander the Great. He he gave a city to a poor man. <laughs> the poor man's like, I, I can't receive this gift. I- I'm not worthy. And Alexander the Great says, I'm not saying that you're worthy. I'm giving you this gift so that people can see that I'm able, I'm capable of giving a, such a gift, right? A city. It shows his power. It shows, shows his greatness. In the same way, right? when we ask God for wisdom, he doesn't give it to us because we deserve it. He doesn't give it to us because we're worthy of his wisdom. He gives it to us because he can. He likes to bless us. He likes to bless his kids. And in so, right, in doing so, people can see God's glory. People can see God's work in us by giving us wisdom. He, right, wisdom can only come from God. People can see God's glory. People can experience God's glory by his gifts. That's why he gives to us without reproach, generously. He loves to do that. All we have to do is ask. Guys, we have to ask in faith. We cannot just ask and doubt. A double-minded man, when I think of that, I think of someone who's in two worlds, one foot in the world and one foot in the Lord. And that person is unstable. Guys, we need to commit, fully commit to the Lord. You know, if any of you, if any of us are Harboring or or hiding a sin. If we're sinning in secret and and we're keeping it under the basket, if you will, and we're not showing anybody and and we're not confessing it to anybody, we have this unconfessed sin in our lives and it it hinders us from coming to the Lord. It hinders us from being open with the Lord and saying, God, I need your help because we feel like we can't ask because we have this sin in our lives. And it it makes us doubt and it makes us this double-minded man. And we need to be careful not to do that. The Bible tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? That's, that's amazing. That's an amazing promise you can hold on to. Guys, in order to come to Jesus with full faith, with no doubt, we need to come clean. We need to confess our sins to him. Say, God, I'm so sorry for this sin. I'll stop doing this. I need your help. God, I'm, I'm in this trial, and it's difficult, it's painful. I need your help. Please walk with me. Please help me. Please produce this patience in me. And when we do that, we can now count it as joy. We can have this power. We can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can have this outlook. Hey, this is a good thing. This is a good thing that God's doing in me. He's working in me. He's training me. He's building me up. He's turning me into from this lump of clay into this beautiful cup. we get to have this joyful outlook within this difficult trial. There, there might be somebody in here right now who's just going through a difficult time, a difficult trial. And I'm not saying that it's not difficult, right? But but we need to have this outlook of joy with God's help, right? God put me here. He's in control. He is sovereign. He's not walking around pacing back and forth, biting his nails. What's going to happen to Josh? No, he's he's got it in, in his hands. We don't have to worry. Be anxious for nothing, Paul tells us. So, so now we can confess our sins, give it all to him, and just walk in joy. Even if what you're going through is difficult, you can still have joy. I'm going to have the worship team come back up and uh, we'll do one last song. Um, I just want us to remember. that we need to lean on the Lord... Even if you feel like you have enough power and your own strength, right, to go through those trials, you don't. We, we need to lean on God. Remember Joshua and his and and the Israelites when they defeated Jericho, and the next they were gonna go battle AI, and they thought they had it. Oh, we we got Jer- we we defeated Jericho. We got AI, a sm- much much smaller city. And they tried to do it on their own strength, and they failed. They had to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. We we'll depend on you, and then they were able to defeat AI. In same kind of way. You might have gone through a trial and the next this next trial seems small. We still need to depend on the Lord. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for just your sovereignty and your your power, your love for us. Thank you for giving us gifts. Lord, thank you for giving us wisdom. I pray that you'll help us to put it to use and to lean on you through our trials. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.